So many worries as a mom, as a parent, am I right? Worried about our kids' emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. Worried if we're making the right choices for them. Worried about the environments they are in. Being a parent is a big deal, and all the choices we have to make are a big responsibility. And I don't know about you, but I am all about asking for advice from those who are a little more knowledgeable or farther along than me. So today for the podcast, I had a mom-to-mom chat with Dr. Ashley Mayer, who you might know as Dr. Green Mom. She's a naturopathic medical doctor and an expert in nutrition and wellness in pediatrics and families. I asked her about all the things that can worry us as moms. What are some good health values for my family? How do you approach childhood illnesses naturally? How do we make decisions about vaccines and choosing a health provider? And what supplements do we need to have on hand for our kids? So if you're ready for some confidence and some peace of mind, this one is for you. Welcome to the Daily Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Meredith. I've led my family on a transformative health journey for over a decade. And now I help other families do the same. So this is a place where you can learn about healthy living and take the next step in your wellness journey. Dr. Mayer, thank you so much for joining the Daily Wellness Podcast. I am so excited to do this. I actually don't do podcasts very often. So this is going to be such a pleasure to be able to sit here and hang with you for the next almost hour. Yeah, I know. Well, can you please tell us your story? I've read bits and pieces of it, but I want some more details. <laughs> uh, you know, so so my story on how I became a uh, physician, um, I have several little journeys that I took, but the biggest one was I was actually sick and I was just out of college. I was a high performing athlete. I was an athlete at the Ohio State University. I was a swimmer. And when I graduated, um, within a few years, I was just not well. And I saw multiple physicians and they all wanted to prescribe a pharmaceutical. And it was, hey, take this antidepressant. And I was like, you know what? I do not have this problem. Whatever issues that are happening for me, it's not because I'm deficient in an antidepressant. So I did. I went on this health journey and I was like, I'm not going to, you know, succumb to the pharmaceutical realm. And just being an active person myself my whole life and being an athlete, I I just knew that wasn't the way for me. And yeah. I was up at, I don't know, it was the middle of the night and I was Googling <laughs> like my symptoms and how I can help them and what I can do. And I saw in the sidebar a advertisement for the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. And I applied that night. <laughs> I think it was that night or the next day. And I said, you know what, if I can't find someone who's going to help me, I'm going to do it myself. And that's, that is the most selfish way I can explain getting into what I do now. It was not selfless whatsoever. <laughs> uh, they say that doctors become doctors to save the world and they want to help people. And no, I wanted to help myself. It was, it was very selfish, but um, in doing so, I have just created the most beautiful space, just like you, where we can talk to other mamas and parents and and help them work their way through this health journey as well. Yeah, well, that's amazing. What do you know? What it was that like oh, desire anxiety. not to? Yeah, n well, the desire not to do the pharmaceutical route. Like, what was it that really drew you away from that? I just knew that if I started on that, I wouldn't get off. And I knew that I had, I knew that I had personal trauma. I had a history of uh, emotional trauma and physical trauma, and and I knew that some of that had to have been creeping its way up. And it was, it was just one of those God moments for me that I just knew. Uh, I know, I know enough from my degree in college uh, with anatomy and physiology and whatnot that starting on a medication was just going to numb whatever was going on with me. And yeah. so that was... Well, I am really sorry that you had to endure the trauma that you went through and the the, uh, the health struggles that you went through. But I can definitely see God's hand in it because you are helping so many people now. Uh, thank you so much. I feel like every moment in our life obviously leads us to the next and it's the culmination of all of those moments that really help to drive our mission and vision if we just 
sit back and like let it kind of let it form us, let it come to us. And so that's that's just kind of I love my story. I love that I've been through everything that I've been through and all of the trauma because it's made me who I am today. And it allows me to reach all of you guys. And and it's just been it's it's a cool journey, man. Life is a cool journey if you want it yeah. to be. Yeah. Well, that's such a beautiful thing. And I, I know your heart is really to help moms and families. And so I thought it would be just kind of neat if we could sit here as moms and chat about some of the things that moms always wonder about when it comes to the health of their kids, you know. Absolutely. And I know that like you are very informed about conventional medicine and naturopathic medicine. So how does your wisdom and all of that just kind of generally guide the decisions that you make for your own kids about health. Hey, Daily Wellness listeners, we've got two awesome giveaways for the beginning of this season, a free consultation and an Amazon gift card. All you have to do to be entered to win is to join our email list. The winners will be randomly selected from that list. So make sure you head to the show notes and get entered. Now back to the episode. I, the foundationally, I, I look at everything natural. And so if my, um, if I see my kids are off, my first go-to foundational support is something natural. I mean, for me, my history was more of a mental, emotional state. And that's the first thing I go to with my kids. And so I, I always look to see you know, what's going on with my kiddos and what is what is the foundational health piece for them uh, mentally and emotionally. And then I build off of that. So I always look to the emotional space first. And then, you know, if it's vitamin C or if it's zinc or something like I'll go there. But most of what I most of what I teach my kids and most of the foundational health for my children is emotional well-being. Uh, and and I find the more emotionally well my kids are and more emotionally well my family is, the more healthy they are. So, you know, if a bug does come at us, like they their systems, their nervous systems, their immune system just handles it better. So that's that's the foundational piece for me. And that's the the wisdom I like to talk to other parents about is really help your children to be in that safe emotional space. Yeah, that's really brilliant. I feel like I feel like adults are becoming a little more aware of trauma and how that impacts our physical health. I mean, I know we've been foster parents, so my first introduction to understanding trauma and how that impacts us, you know, like behaviorally and all those things really started then, but then but now I think it is becoming a little bit more well known for us as adults, but then to go and apply that to our children. That's really, oh, really. Yeah. I mean, as an example, our our children are tiny humans. Mm -hmm. So you want to treat them as you would treat another adult. I tell parents, like, you can't tell a kid to stop crying. If you told me, if my husband told me to stop crying, oh, that would be like huge blow up argument. Yeah. So I tell parents, how can you like tell your kids they have to stop crying just because you're dysregulated and you can't handle their emotional response? So I, that's an example of what I mean and what I think you're saying is that parents are now kind of starting to see this. They're starting to realize, and I think a lot of it has to do with social media and some of these really great psychologists who are doing what you and I are doing, where we're just helping parents understand that a child's emotional state is much like your own. When it's dysregulated, they're allowed to be a human. They're allowed to have these responses. And so... Um, Anyways, I that's that's the space is this emotional yeah. support piece that you're saying and I'm saying that, you know, parents are now starting to kind of get a grip on, which I Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not I was not expecting you to say that, but I am like what? <laughs> I am so glad that you started there because I think that kind of mirrors what's going on in in my own journey. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I've been doing all these things for years and years to like make my physical health better." you know, but I didn't like get the emotional piece till later on, you know, and that it just impacts everything about our lives. Oh my gosh. I, right now I'm a train wreck. Like yeah. I am exhausted all the time. I, and I, and I don't feel well. And it's because my emotional state, I've got too many irons on the fire 
And it's like what we do to our kids. They got so many irons on the fire and they've got so much of this stimulation coming at them with, you know, television and school and sports and all of this. And so it's like the foundational piece is to get grounded and to really understand that it's the emotional component. It's it's it, it super centers our peace. <laughs> yeah. For parents, too. The more calm your kid is, the more happy you're going to be, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We can't really teach them about emotional health if we're not, you know, pursuing that ourselves and living that out for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's obviously a very high value for you <laughs> because of your own story and how you parent. What would you say some other like guiding principles of health are for you and your family? Like if we came into your house, we would be like, oh, they really value this. Like, <laughs> uh, Our nutrition, I, I value it amongst all others. So I do recognize that um, some healthy foods are more expensive. We have really utilized farmers markets. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting back to the ground, you know, people say, you know, like, what do you do for your kids? And I, I allow them to play in the, in the dirt. Like they're always outside, like they're always getting their, their hands dirty and they understand where their food comes from. And, you know, we go to farms and we see the animals and we understand the where they come from. And I think I love that part for my kids is that they understand that your food comes from the ground, like your food comes from the earth. Like we do have the cookies and we do have the chips and stuff, but we are um, big sticklers on nutrition in our house. And it shows, you know, my kids don't don't relatively get sick. Okay. When your kids are younger, they're sick all the time. It doesn't matter how nutritionally <laughs> sound they are. It just is what it is. But my daughter is 11. She's older and my son is four. And so you just tell they're, they have that bright light. And nutrition is first. Sleep yeah, is robust first. immune system. Yeah, second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So sleep. yeah, emotional health, um, nutrition, and then you said sleep. What do you mean by that? We absolutely value sleep. I'm just going to be honest. About an hour and a half ago, I, I was in my Snoopy Halloween pajamas. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go up in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we slept in. Uh, my daughter is with her dad today. And so her dad took her to school. And my husband and I and my son, we slept until 930. I mean, we value our sleep. And so um, that is another really important uh, component. My kids are in bed early and uh, we often are up late. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you are going to bed late, right, and it probably gives you more family time that way. But then you've got to make up for that with some extra hours in the morning. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's that's how it goes. I work. I work all day. Um, I, my family watches me work all day. I work mostly from home now and I don't get time until later in the evening. And so we do, but we still value our sleep enough to make sure we get in all the hours, even if we go to bed later. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so you have emotional health, nutrition, sleep, anything else come to mind? Uh, I think those are the, you know, plenty of time outside. Mm-hmm. The sun, nature, uh, we love those. We we have a nice, well, in Arizona, I think it's large. We have an acre. And that's all the kids do is they run around outside. Um, we we try to limit screen time as much as possible. Um, it's not necessarily a value. They see mom on it all day. And so yeah. it's really hard for me to teach them, Yeah, hey, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you. That just doesn't even sound foundationally appropriate to me yeah able to say that is like hey look mom's allowed to be on it but you're not um so that's not necessarily like a foundational piece for us if they're on screen time I don't time it like I don't oh hey you got 30 minutes and then you got to get off or hey you've been on it for two hours I mean some days it's two hours some days it's 20 minutes some days not at all um but I think those are what come to mind how about you do you have any that are separate from or different from like what I've mentioned Probably not very different. Um, you know, I we definitely prioritize nutrition. That's like my passion. I love cooking and making healthy food and talking to my kids about nutrition and things like that. And we have a garden and, um, you know, I love getting my kids out there as well with me and helping them learn how to grow it and preserve it. And um, so do you, you know, do the, you guys do like pre- preserve 
like yes. regrow and yes. oh my gosh, I love yes. you. We try to preserve as much as possible. Um, and the past has been a lot of freezing, but I have been canning more recently. So I'm still learning about that, but um, but it's been fun to do that with them. Oh, I love it. We had a garden. My husband got me these planter boxes two years ago, I think, and I was so excited and I was so ready to do this. Everything died in like not long at all. And then come to find out like plants need shade. <laughs> one lemon in Arizona and I had it right out in the middle not a tree to be found oh we're just blazed on every day by the sun yeah so I think uh, another one for us would be like faith and family because and I that's probably how we connect to the emotional piece is just mm-hmm. making sure that we are really connected as a family and that they have that strong sense of belonging and you know acceptance and love and they can you know have that security that's gorgeous. That's definitely on our list. I wish that it was more. Um, I have five siblings and we live all over, all across yeah. the country. And uh, to have, you know, to to focus on that sense of family. I remember growing up, it was just, that's who you had. You had your siblings, like you had your family. So, you know, now I'm in a blended house and my daughter, you know, has to go away for a couple of yeah. days a week and my son's trying to figure out what that is. And so I love that that is one of your focuses and I'm going to have to like think about that for us because <laughs> we're all over the place. I think that's why my daughter has like an ADHD brain. Yeah. Um, I have but, a question for you like about, yeah, yeah, about the being outside aspect. Um, do you have any ways that you entice them to spend time outside versus kind of just wanting to be inside on screens or how do yeah, you I just, kind of encourage I, that? I just made my son a promise when I walked back here and said, as soon as I get off this podcast recording, we're playing laser tag. So I, the way to, honestly, the way to get your kids outside is to do it with them. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, he's four. So he wants you to be his playmate all of the time, but we have a lot set up outside. So we have laser tag and we have these darn bubble guns and it just like makes my hair all sticky and gross, but (laughs) it's like what he loves. And we do have a, you know, we're lucky we have a swimming pool. I think Arizona, you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, but we just try to find activities that are fun outside. I'll tell you, my daughter will go outside. She'll get on her screen. She's 11. She's this whimsical child, man. She's this artsy, whimsical child. And she'll get on her screen for a while and she creates these edits and she has her own podcast. And she'll just right in the middle of doing something, get up, go outside. And you just see her running around like outside. Uh, I'm looking out the window right now. Um, yeah. Well, she needs inspiration for her art. That's what she does. I mean, honest to goodness, I do not have to tell that kid to go outside. My son, yes, go outside and play. Well, what are we going to do, Molly? What are we playing today? Sorry. I think a lot of it is just kids don't do as you say, they do as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. So if you want your kids outside, why aren't you outside? I know you have inside chores and things to do, but... Um, there, it, it is nice to know that, you know, as human beings, we are human beings and we need to be outside too. Yeah, it's, good. it's great advice. I agree. Yeah. I thought it would be really fun and helpful if we could just go through some like example situations of, you know, if your ki- child comes down with such and such, like how would you approach that? Because I know that, you know, conventional medicine and naturopathic medicine have a different approach to different childhood illnesses and things. And thought it would be good just to help people see the thought process kind of behind, you know, why we would do what we do with our kids. Does sure. that make sense? Is that okay? Yeah, I would love to. I uh, Hit me with it. Okay. I, 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 um, what would you do if your kid got an ear infection? Ear infection. First thing I would do is lymphatic massage behind the ear. So I need to create a video on how to do this. Yeah. But it's just right behind the ear, you know, around the neck, like uh, not the ear low, but literally behind the ear and down the neck is this gentle massaging motion um, that I would start. And I would use an arnica oil or even olive oil, coconut oil, anything would be really good. But one of the main reasons why kids, especially young kids, will get an ear infection or something wrong with their ear is because the eustachian tubes, so they're the tubes of their ears anatomically, just because they haven't gotten taller yet, <laughs> sit this way. Mm-hmm. The older you get and the more mature you are, that tube starts to slant. Right. They go so, from horizontal to more vertical. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, thing, 
Exactly. So the first thing I'll tell parents or I'll teach them. So when when patients come into my office, um, it's more of a learning experience. Like, I don't want you back in here for an ear infection next time. So let's talk about what you can do before you have to come see me. So it is. It's a gentle lymphatic massage behind the ear to try to get that fluid moving behind the ear because it can't do it itself because that tube is sitting like this. Um, the other thing is an ear pole. So I'm going to take these off and I can bear, I won't be able to hear you well, but um, we do these ear poles and that also too helps that tube to open up, to be able to yeah. um, slant. Uh, so it's these types of poles. Those are the first two things that I tell parents um, if your kid starts to come down with an ear infection. Yeah. So massage, ear pulls. Yeah. And I think massage, ear pulls, yeah. just what I, you said about kind of why that's happening is helpful to know. So you know what to do. Yeah. And then a chiropractic appointment. So find yourself proactively. Don't try to look for a pediatric chiropractor the day your kid comes down with an ear infection. So get your ducks in a row, mamas and dads. Uh, find yourself a good pediatric chiropractor in your area. And um, just have them on your speed dial. I love them for things like ear infections. I mean, that that is the first place I'll take my kid. Don't come to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go to your chiropractor. And they'll be able to help do some adjustments and see if they can get some of that fluid to leave that space. Because that's usually the problem is a bulging eardrum is when that eardrum that space behind that drum fills up with fluid, that's where the pain happens. It's not necessarily an infection. We all say my kid has an ear infection. Um, but that fluid behind the ear, the longer it stays there, it'll percolate bacteria or virus. And so that's why it's so important to keep those open. And that's why, you know, some parents have to resort to tubes because they can't, whether anatomically or whatever the problem is, that fluid has to drain. And so... That's why I think those three things are super important is the ear pulls, lymphatic massage, and see a chiropractor because that gets to the root cause of your problem. Right. Now, if you have a, if you have a bacteria, uh, which we can't really know unless your doctor swabs it, uh, that's when the antibiotics come into play. So what I'll do in my office is I'll suggest those things mm -hmm. and then I'll prescribe an antibiotic. And I'll say, do you do not touch this antibiotic unless symptoms get super severe in the next 24 hours or within 72 hours, the pain doesn't subside. So that's that's how I'll use conventional medicine with also that naturopathic foundational support wisdom is like, let's treat the root cause. Let's find out what the actual problem is and why you're getting this ear infection. Do you find most people are needing the antibiotic after trying no. those things? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's super rare. Uh, it, it does happen. So I will um, say, I usually tell the patient, hey, you guys give me a call. Let me know if you want to proceed and then I'll let you know if it's a good idea. So yeah. uh, it does happen. And so I am, that's why I'm, I'm so thankful for conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. But um, but I also, you no, know, it's not foundational easy. component. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we so much over prescribe these antibiotics and then parents can't figure out why their kid has these recurrent ear infections. It's like we have literally just killed every positive bug mm -hmm. <laughs> that is there to help when we get these, you know, invaders. Yeah. So, sure. um, so, so I do love the American Academy of Pediatrics has just recently changed the stance where they do this, this watchful wait. So they, they do tell pediatricians to prescribe the antibiotics and then tell patients, wait 48 to 72 hours before you start them. Because symptoms generally subside within 48 hours anyway for ear yeah, pain. Yeah, that's great to hear. So I call it ear pain. Your kid yeah. has ear pain. <laughs> this is Let's what do you, yeah. Yep. So what about, with, yeah, what if a kid comes to you with the flu? What would be your approach to that? Um, Just not feel like what would be a symptom of the flu that... I, I typically wouldn't say that you treat a flu. It would be, you know, whatever symptoms it would be. So say the kid had uh, an issue with coughing or breathing. Mm -hmm. My first line of therapy is hypertonic saline and a nebulizer. Mm -hmm. It's super easy to get. It's easy for parents to get a nebulizer. You can either get it prescribed by your doctor. Um, and then hypertonic saline is super easy to get. You can have it prescribed by your doctor or there's super reputable places that you can find it online. Um, and and it's not harmful. It's it's water. 
So it's, but, but you don't put regular water in a nebulizer. So I I just have to say that caveat. Um, There's people out there who are nebulizing um, unsterile products. So just make sure it's a sterile hypertonic saline. That's my first line of therapy for anything cough, cold, uh, that and, and um, supports vitamin A and zinc are my two first line uh, therapies for for any type of viral illness, rest and hydration is probably the best. And don't force foods. So if your kid doesn't want to eat, don't feel like, my gosh, he's not eating. Um, so it's it's generally rest um, and hydration are the two things that I'll say to all parents when they come in. They're like, I already know that. Like, now what else do we do? And that's <laughs> when I start with the hypersonic saline sleep. Yeah. Um, and then it usually subsides on its own. If, if things do start to get worse, then you do start treating symptoms. Mm-hmm. So um, if the cough starts to get worse, like I'll start with natural herbals. And if that doesn't help, I will resort to ibuprofen, robitussin. Like I will resort to anti-cussives. I will resort to pharmaceuticals if necessary or over-the-counter products. Um, but rest is best. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Because I'm... I think people use the pharmaceuticals so that they can just keep going with the pace of life, you know, don't have to slow down and rest. Absolutely. And that's why I like them. So there are some parents who work and some parents who don't have an opportunity to stay home with their kid and, you know, rest is best and all of these things that are appropriate um, for the foundational piece of getting over uh, a cough or a cold or a virus. Um, and, And may I just say one thing? I did mention nebulizing. Mm-hmm. And I said, everything has to be sterile. I am a huge opponent of nebulized um, colloidal silver. Mm-hmm. Do not nebulize colloidal silver. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I, you don't want to say why. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's, it, you, you don't know where the product was made. So it's not sterile. So you could be inhaling into your child's lungs, bacteria, virus, anything. And so a lot of these new companies on the market who have herbal products or are selling, they're making this in a warehouse. You know, it's not it's not FDA regulated. So you just have to be super careful with with what you're putting down into your child's lungs. So do not nebulize anything that is not sterile. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Fever is one that I think is really scary for a lot of parents. You know, that's when they're like, we got to go to the doctor now because I know we have a fever. So no. How do you approach that as a mom and as a practitioner? Don't treat it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that is, it's one of the biggest fears of a mom or a dad is when they see their kiddo with a fever. And I like to see, generally speaking, you want, you don't want to necessarily look at the number. So you don't want to look at the number that's on the thermometer unless it's incredibly high. So if you have an infant under age one or under age six months and you got a 101 or 103 or 104, you do want to call the pediatrician all the time. You always want to, under kids under age one, a quick call to your healthcare provider, whoever that is, just to say, hey, look, these are the symptoms. Um, but I'll tell you, a, a fever of 101.4 in one child and a fever in a 99 point something fever in another child can look significantly different. I mean, I've seen kids with 103 fever who are in my office playing with the toys on the floor, acting as if nothing's going on and the parents freaking out. I've seen a 99.2 fever where the kid is just super lethargic and sluggish and I probably need to refer them to the emergency department. So it's not necessarily the number. So the things you wanna look for is just extreme lethargy. So if, if you can't get the kid to move, if you can't get them to drink water, electrolytes are always the most important when a kid is um, has a fever. So you just want to make sure they're getting fluids. If they refuse to drink, call the doctor. Um, if, uh, if they're incredibly irritable, meaning they're crying or they're just sad, that's actually a good sign because that just means that their immune system's fighting whatever's happening. They have enough energy to where they can elicit a response and be like, I don't like this. So that's not a bad thing. That's a good it's point. When it is. And parents are like, oh, but my kid is so sad. That's awesome. <laughs> right. They're still having like enough energy for emotions. So 
Yeah, they, they're, it's the extremely lethargic child. It's the pale red-faced, it's super pale-faced or super red-faced, extremely lethargic child that you want to be concerned about. If any of them complain about head or neck pain, especially like neck pain back around here, that is a telltale sign emergency department. So, um, or call the doctor first, call your healthcare provider first. I say that now because there's a lot of healthcare providers who are super amazing and they're not necessarily pediatricians. So, yeah. Um, uh, but those are the those are the top things that I'll say about a fever. But for the most part, you know, lukewarm washcloths over the face, a tepid bath. You can do an Epsom salt bath. Um, an oatmeal bath is beautiful for kiddos with fever. A lot of kids don't want to get in the bathtub when they're not well. So do not force it upon them unless it's gotten to the point where the fever has gone up pretty high and yeah. you can see that they're super uncomfortable. But that's the time that you would call a healthcare provider anyway. Yeah. It really helped me to learn and understand why the fever was there in the first place and what it was doing in the body, right? It's like your body's natural response to whatever is kind of uh, attacking yeah. your body, right? And, and it's, it's trying to defend itself. And if you used fever-reducing medication, uh, the immune system's not able to do what it's supposed to do. It's like telling... Uh, a man to go to war, but you can only use your right hand. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't use both hands, but I want you to go fight this other guy. He's got two arms, two legs. Um, now you have to have one hand tied behind your back. So right. that's really what happens to your immune system when we take these medications, but I'm not opposed to it. So, you know, if I have a really bad headache or if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to take an ibuprofen. You know, I'm just not feeling well. I'm going to take one. If a kid's not feeling well, they're a human being. They have the same pain and the same type of concern. Then dose ibuprofen. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if they're if they're not feeling well, don't feel like oh I'm I have to be all natural and I have to take take care of my kid all natural means. Um, yeah. Keep in mind they're human beings too. So if you right. had a killer headache or if you were in a lot of pain, you would want to manage the symptom. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I like to tell I like to tell parents, hey, look, you don't have to withhold the ibuprofen or the Tylenol. Just take means to mitigate some of the potential side effects mm -hmm. of what's going to happen when you give the ibuprofen or Tylenol. And that's what I love vitamin C for. Yeah, I love vitamin C. When you dose Tylenol, you reduce your body's main antioxidant, which is glutathione. Okay. And there's some really great research that shows that vitamin C will increase intracellular and extracellular glutathione. And vitamin wow. C is really easy to give. Uh, liposomal glutathione is another great option to give. It tastes terrible. <laughs> so if you can get your very sick child to take nasty tasting liposomal glutathione, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have found that vitamin C, and kids love it. Like they love it in their water. Uh, they love the chewable tablets. Um, they also love to drink it. So you know, get vitamin C in your kid if you are going to use ibuprofen or Tylenol. Yeah, I think what I have learned to do for myself is what I'm trying to teach my kids as they get older is to like really recognize those symptoms as soon as they start in you. You know, like as soon as you have a sore throat or as soon as you feel your nose um, dripping, you know, or as soon as you feel achy, you know, tell me, like, let's talk about that. Let's get on top of it. Like as soon yeah. as you feel it, because then you'll have a chance to try some of the you know, the remedies that that could really work and, and, and heal you, you know, if you're maybe you're deficient in something or maybe you're dehydrated or maybe you just need to rest, you know, and you have time to get on top of it before you really feel terrible. Oh, I'm always looking for symptoms in my yeah. family. Because <laughs> I kid not want to be in, like he's just walking different. And I'm like, do you feel good? Are you OK? <laughs> if my husband comes out of the bedroom when he's like rubbing his stomach, I'm like, are you OK? Yeah. I just did that this morning. I'm like, are you feeling okay? Are you fine? He's like, I'm good. Uh, I was just, yeah. you know, scratching an itch. Right. Okay. I'm scratching an itch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. So, no, I, I think, think that really helps. Fever. Yeah. I think that really helps just to think through, you know, I think it, first of all, my first thought is like, why are you feeling this way? You know, like what can we maybe remedy to kind of, is it lack of rest? Is it stress? Is it dehydration? You know, have you been eating a lot of sugar lately? Like, what is it that we can kind of 
you know, help your body to heal, you know, and support your body toward healing in and then go from there. Absolutely. You're so right. You think about the foundational components. So what is it that we're going to do to have to get you back to feeling good again? Mm -hmm. And then take care of the symptoms from over here. So it's like the foundational piece. Always keep in mind that when your immune system gets an attack, no matter what it is, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin D, wipe out. So how much are you going to have to to utilize with those to be able to bring yourself back to feeling good again and then not get wiped out again? Mm-hmm. So you see those people who are chronically sick with colds. Well, you're just not getting your body back. So you have so many micronutrient deficiencies every time you have this pathogenic invader. And so now you got to you don't take the recommended daily allowances. You have to take a lot to bring yeah. yourself back. And so um, that's super important, like you just said, is, you know, how can we get on top of this with these foundational pieces and then also treat the symptoms? Yeah, because when you you work on healing, you know, then the symptoms kind of will naturally resolve where if you work on the symptoms, then that healing is probably going to be a little slower or never actually take place. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. I mean, that was chronically sick adults because we never got we never got well as a child. That was the piece about me wanting to find naturopathic medicine. It's like, I don't want to be on this medicine, which is what's going to happen. I will I will forever be on this pharmaceutical antidepressant until I can actually get to the root cause of why I have these symptoms to begin with. Yep. So true. Which kind of brings me to one other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, you provide a lot of great information about vaccines for parents. So if you guys haven't been to Dr. Mayer's website, you have to go and read all of her information and her provider lists. And I mean, it's just like so much good information. Um, and you, I know that I took this from your website. So you said that you are pro-informed consent and pro-medical freedom. So I thought it would be great if you could just tell us what you mean by that. Uh Let's talk about the informed consent piece is that um, we are when when we become a physician, we make a promise. We 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 have an oath that we say, yes, absolutely. And that is that we offer to the patient all of the risks and all of the benefits of whatever it is that we want to do, whatever procedure, whatever vaccine, whatever medication that we are going to give to you and say, we think this is going to be beneficial for you. You need the whole piece. You need to know all of the risks and benefits. And then it is up to you as the parent or the person to be able to make the decision. Do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And that is medical freedom. Mm-hmm. So the informed consent is that I, as a physician, offer to you all of the information. I am not biased. It's unbiased information. And then I am going to make a recommendation to you, mm-hmm. having given you this information, and then the medical freedom component is that you get to decide, do I want to do this? Yeah. I and can tell you that. Is, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, that is just the basis of of my mission and my vision is, yeah. is, is true informed consent and true medical freedom. Yeah. Well, I love that. <laughs> I like really love that. <laughs> but that was definitely not my experience when my kiddos were little and we were, you know, having regular pediatric well visits or whatever. That was not my experience. So what recommendations would you give to parents as far as questions to ask their provider when they're trying to decide what they would like to do with their vaccine schedule? Right now, the problem is, is that it is allowable by the American Academy of Pediatrics to dismiss you as a patient if you are not on the schedule. If you're not on the CDC recommended schedule, the pediatrician is allowed to dismiss you. So that is a little tougher when you walk into an appointment and say, uh, you know what, we'd actually like to follow a delayed schedule, they can just say, well, sorry, you're not allowed here. So the best thing to do is you call first. You call ahead first and you ask what the policies of the of the facility are. And if their policies are you have to be fully vaccinated by age two and you resonate with that, then make an appointment and then you can ask questions. But keep in mind the questions are going to probably, the answers will be quite biased mm-hmm. according to... Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics is that the push is to get all children fully vaccinated by age two. Mm-hmm. If you call the office and they say, uh, we allow for a delayed, delayed schedule, 
you might want to ask follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. Well, how delayed? Or may I pick and choose? Or will you help me decide on a schedule that's best for my child that may not include all of the doses or all of the vaccines and then see what they say? It's always best to find out before you make the appointment so that when you get to the appointment, you're not blindsided. Yeah, you're not blindsided with them saying, oh, yeah, sorry, you can't do that. Because then it was just pointless for you to go. You took your kid. Now your kid's got to witness this. Um, And so I always say it's best to ask these questions prior to making your first appointment. And I've had a lot of... uh, people, followers, I don't know what you call them. I've had, a lot of, <laughs> I've had a lot of people reach out to us at customer support and say, well, I don't know why you have this doctor on your medical freedom provider list because they hounded me about uh, vaccines. And I'll always have to respond to them and say, but they still allowed you in the practice. They still allowed you to continue being a patient there, even though you've made the decision, I don't want to vaccinate or I want a delayed schedule. So you may get pushback from the doctors. They may not agree with you, but they're still going to offer you that medical freedom piece. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they may not align with your beliefs and they may not like it. Mm -hmm. And they may flat out tell you that that, and then fear monger you. That happens all the time. But ultimately, they allow that medical freedom piece. Mm -hmm. How can you get the unbiased information? Uh, Find a healthcare provider who will <laughs> offer it to you. I find also, a Dr. Mayor in your life. <laughs> find a Dr. Mayor. Um, I'll also say this, um, parents get savvy. So use Google. Um, if, you know, start doing your own research. If research wasn't your forte, you know, growing up, tough. Now, now that's going to be your thing. You have littles that you need to protect. And um, it. Most doctors don't have enough time to explain all of the informed consent. Unfortunately, it's the way our medical model has been set up um, with insurance companies. So I absolutely understand a pediatrician side when they say, I can't offer you all of this information. It's way too much to give you. I've got five shots, five different antigens I'm supposed to give you today, and I've got 15 minutes to do it because that's all the insurance company is going to reimburse me for. I totally get it. You know, uh, doctors go to school for copious amounts of years. And we all come out of school with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, and we need to feed our family. And so um, I'll say the best way to find informed consent is find a provider who doesn't bill insurance. (laughs) So find that hour of time that you're going to pay out of pocket for. um, And you can sit down and you guys can go over, you know, all of these questions that you might have. And a lot of providers don't have the answers So you're going to have to look it up. Go to the FDA website and start looking at package inserts or go to uh, just the inserts. She's lovely. I adore the the gal on social media. Um, Mm -hmm. She offers informed consent all day long. And it's not just for vaccines. She does it for all pharmaceuticals on her social media platform. Um, But you're going to have to do your own research. Yeah, there are some helpful books out there, too. And I can put some in the show notes for people that want to read more. But I think there is... There is access out there to information if you look for it. There is. You just got to dig deep. And another problem that you're going to find is um, if you're on social media, you're going to find a lot of influencers with all different opinions. And so don't follow me for what I have to say as the end all be all. Go research it for yourself. So it bothers me when someone will say, yeah, but you said, well, that's just my opinion. So, or if I see another influencer and I'm like, oh my God, they didn't just say that, did they? Um, So, so try not to use social media as your guideline for informed consent. Um, Yeah. Look more at FDA, CDC, PubMed. You'll find everything you'd ever want from those three websites. And it can be a little bit intimidating, but you do get used to like, you know, knowing how to research and thumbing through the research. And once you have researched it and you've made a decision, then you know, you know, you know that and you feel good about it and you have peace of mind about that. And you can go on to the next topic (laughs) or the thing you need to research. But, you know, once you've done it, it's done. And as a parent, you will never stop researching. I mean, you will never once you finally it's kind of like you on your journey. I bet it's like you finally you're like, oh, I can put this to rest. I now feel good about my decision on this. And you're like, oh, wait, no. What about this over here? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) um, so that's always learning. 
Yeah. It's the cool thing about what you and I both do is that we we offer information and let all let let the parents go forth mm-hmm. and utilize that how they like. Yeah. Last thing I really wanted to cover with you is um like how you would I guess oh, what do I, how do I want to word this? Oh, your your supplements. So you make some really great family-centered safe supplements. If somebody was really wanting to kind of make over their first aid kit, so to speak, <laughs> like what products would you recommend? Like top three to five products that every parent should have on hand uh, for infants and kids? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I'd say vitamin A, zinc, vitamin C, nature's biotic. So I have, yeah. So those those vitamin A is probably my number one. Um, I talk about it a lot. And there's a ton of research on vitamin A and especially virus. And uh, I just love vitamin A for what it does. And there's just not enough education out there. And so it's kind of my my favorite to talk about is the importance of vitamin A. And most of us are deficient. So the WHO, the World Health Organization, and the CDC make it a point to say that if you're vitamin A deficient, it's uh, it's it's important to make sure you dose vitamin A before any live virus vaccine. And uh, they talk about third world countries. So all third world countries get a dose of a hefty dose of vitamin A um, before they get their MMR. That's very interesting. And and it's interesting to me because most of us in the United States are not just vitamin A deficient, but micronutrient deficient. And so it's like, all right, so we're we're saying that for all of you who are vitamin A deficient over there. Yeah. But what about us? Like we are. We're all walking reservoirs of vitamin A deficiency and we're carrying around these viruses and bacteria all winter long. Um, so vitamin A is most important to me. Um, I have an entire line of Nature's Biotic, which is, um, I don't think I can say this, but you know what it is. It's an alternative that you can start on prior to having to start on antibiotics. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have... Um, help repopulate your gut when needed. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I have it for um, pregnancy. Uh, I came out with a... Uh, Pregnancy, pregnancy and lactation safe, nature's biotic. We have a liquid and a capsule for adults. And then we also have a kid's version. And that is that is another go-to at first sign of any illness. I I pop that. I pop that out. So. Awesome. I'm definitely going to list those in the show notes for everyone. And three fun questions that I ask everyone at the end. The first one is, what is your like go-to morning drink? My go-to morning drink. Uh, we just got an espresso machine. Honey, Ooh. oh my goodness. So it is a latte every morning. And I sound so hoity-toity when I say that, I feel like, but I am so excited about this espresso <laughs> machine. I've never had a latte in the morning in my whole life until we got this. So that's what I've been doing lately. But it's normally just a watered-down coffee and some half and half. But it yeah. has been a latte uh-huh. for the last uh, two months. Yeah, that is fancy. Well, it's really nice that you can make it for yourself so you can like control all the ingredients about it, feel really good about it. It feels really fancy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So we use the organic beans, shade grown uh, organic beans and uh, I don't know, whatever organic half and half I have (laughs) that's in the fridge. But those that's what goes in my lattes. Yeah. Is organic on top of organic. That sounds good. I wish you were doing this in person and I could have one of your lattes. That's so lovely. You can make like a frappuccino and a, all these types of drinks. They all taste yeah. exactly the same, by the way. Like I've I've pushed the button on every one of them. I'm like, well, it tastes exactly like the last one I just had. Anyway. Yeah. And the second question is, what is your favorite way to de-stress? Do you just want me to tell you what came to mind? Yeah. A beer. <laughs> I'm just fully transparent. I could probably say something like deep breathing techniques or gentle yoga. No, it's a it's an IPA. Yeah. If I were if I were to prefer my beer, it would be either a Stone IPA or a Dogfish Head 60 Minute. How's that? My husband is really going to love this episode. <laughs> oh well, I was like, oh, we got to tape at noon. 
sh- I should not have a beer <laughs> for like <two. laughs> no, I uh, we're not doing that today, honey. Um, I, love I am, awesome. I, yeah, I am so easy peasy. Uh, well, I think you're into fancy drinks. I think we're seeing a theme. Uh, if IPA is fancy I guess it is more fancy than a Bud Light exactly (laughs) it's like high class beer yeah Um, last question who would you love to see as a guest on the daily wellness podcast guest on the daily wellness podcast Uh, I'd say my sidekick, Dr. Teresa Camosi, is probably who I would say. She is the other half that makes Dr. Green Mom whole. So any medical information that you're finding on the Dr. Green Mom website and uh, the entire mother's line of formulations, that was her and I. So she is the other half that makes Dr. Green Mom whole. However, I don't know if she'd come on a podcast or not. I'd say just the inserts. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's rally to try to get her on. Have you yes. got her on? Let's do it. Yeah, I uh, she's she's a rock star, man. Um, all through COVID, she yeah, she's fantastic. So that's probably her and Teresa. Yeah, okay, great. Thanks for the recommendations. Absolutely. I feel like people give me you know ideas that I wouldn't have come up with sometimes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't listen to podcasts. Truth be told, I don't listen to podcasts. I started my own private podcast um, on my. Uh, VIP site recently, um, but it's definitely not formal. <laughs> like yeah. we don't edit, we don't edit anything. <laughs> yeah, just so, information posted. Yeah. Well, I think this is great. I think this is so helpful, and we covered a ton of info that's going to be really great for moms. Is there anything else on your heart that you want to share before we close out? Uh, I just love what you're doing. Just keep keep spreading this type of information and spreading the good word. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Daily Wellness Podcast. We hope that you found it helpful for your own wellness journey. And if so, we'd love for you to leave a review. Then come back and listen for review shout outs on upcoming episodes. For more information, check out the show notes and connect with us on our website, dailywellnesscommunity.com.